0: Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message, and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. We just sang a song that um, that carries a lot of names in the song, a lot of Hebrew names. And uh, for those of you that are new to Restoration Life, and you, and you hear all these all these names being. Um, sang or sung in that song, uh, Yahweh, uh, Rafa, uh, Jireh, all these names are actually names of God for those of you that are new uh, to Christianity. In fact, when Moses uh, met God at the burning bush, does everybody remember that story of Moses and God at the burning bush? Moses asks God and he says, um, who shall I say sent me? and God responds to him, tell them that I am has sent you. And that's kind of a unique way to describe your name, I am or I am that I am. And what God was saying to Moses is that I am whatever you need me to be, right? I am whatever you need me to be in that moment Um, that you're struggling or you're trying to navigate life through. And so in the Bible, and and it just kind of hit me right now that we've sang this song a couple times and a lot of people may or may not know that it's talking a lot about the names of God. And throughout scripture in the Old Testament and New Testament, you'll see God named different names. Like when the angel met with Mary and he said to her that you will call him what? Emmanuel to say that God is with us and then they gave him the the name of Yeshua or Jesus. So I just want you to kind of get this into your understanding Yahweh that name Yahweh actually means to bring into existence whatever exists. That's what the name Yahweh actually means and if you go in deeper, which we'll do this at another time, you'll find out that when you breathe, you're actually saying the name of God. Alpha and Omega means the beginning and the end. Abba, which Jesus cried out to God the Father, and he calls him Abba. Abba means Father. Elohim means mighty creator. El Shaddai means God Almighty. Adonai means Lord or Master. Elyon means Most High or God Most High. El Roy means the God who sees. Jehovah, medoskishem, means the God who sanctifies you. Jehovah Rapha is the Lord that heals you. Jehovah Tiktu, the Lord of righteousness. Jehovah Nisi the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord hosts. Jehovah Jireh, my God will provide. And so God has all these beautiful names that try to describe who he is or what he does for us. And so whenever you think about God or the name of God, understand that God is whoever or whatever you need him to be in certain moments of life when you're going through difficult times. He's your healer. Come on. When, when you're in a fight, he's your banner. Come on. When, when you're going through difficulties in finance, he's Jehovah oh, Jireh. He's your provider. He never, he never lets you go without. And so God is who you need him to be. And today, we'll continue in um, this sermon that we started last Sunday entitled, Battle Ready. And if you're at Ephesians chapter six, we're gonna start reading in just a moment, but I made a statement last Sunday week that I want to qualify maybe just a little bit better Um, last week I made this statement and I shared this with my life group because more and more of it started to really resonate with me when I left church on Sunday Um, but I said um, do you remember when I said do you know what disobedience looks like and what did I say disobedience looks like Brad Pitt right I was goofing and some other name But I said, what disobedience looks like is you when you're disobedient to God. That's what disobedience looks like to God. So what does disobedient look like? Well, Satan looks like disobedience and we reflect disobedience when we're, or we reflect Satan when we're in disobedience to God. But when we're walking in truth and in light, we're a reflection of Jesus. Is that accurate? So to be a Christian means to be what? Christ-like, right? To be like Jesus. And so if we're being honest, then the opposite of that is to be disobedient. And that means to be disobedient, we reflect Satan. Would that be an accurate statement, right? So what does Satan look like? Satan looks like your disobedience. Now let me qualify that. In the New Testament, when Jesus was talking to the disciples and he tells Peter, this hit me on the way home. He asked the disciples, who does man say that I am? And everybody that was with him in Caesarea Philippi basically said, well, some say that you're Elijah and some say that you're a prophet and some say this and some say that. And Jesus is like, but who do you say that I am? Because who you say that I am matters. And then Peter, out of the 12, responds what? He says, you're the son of the most high God, right? And so Peter is the very first man on planet earth to acknowledge that Jesus is the son of God. Everybody tracking with me? And so in that moment, Peter would become the first born-again Christian, if you will. Not too long after that, Jesus tells Peter and the disciples what has to happen. That he's got to go into Jerusalem and that he's got to die. And that he's going to, he's going to be crucified. And Peter stands up and says what? Not so. It will not happen to you as long as I'm here. And then what does Jesus say to Peter? Peter. "'Get thee behind me, Satan.'" Why? Because even though Peter wanted to rescue Jesus from the cross, watch this, he was still functioning under disobedience because Jesus had to go to the cross to redeem all of mankind. And so Peter, although a good notion says, "'Not so, I won't let that happen.'" That's exactly what Satan's been trying to do since the birth of Jesus Christ, to stop him from going to the cross. And so in that moment, Peter's declaration was a declaration of disobedience. And so what does Peter look like in that moment? Because Jesus tells Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Now we know that Peter wasn't Satan that he was functioning under the guile or the deception of Satan because Jesus had to go to the cross to redeem mankind. And so when we walk in disobedience to God, who do we look more like? God or Satan? And so it's important for us to understand that walking in obedience to God makes us walk in the light and in the reflection of Jesus as disciples. And that is truth. And today we're gonna to look at truth and what the Bible has to say about truth because if we're gonna be battle ready as, as, as Christians, as believers, as, as the church, then we, we have to understand what truth is and what truth isn't because out in the world, everybody has their truth. Well, this is my truth. This is my reality, right? And so they've made truth subjective to whatever their reality is, but there's only the truth. And we're gonna look a little bit about that because that's part of the weaponry that God gives us as the full armor of God. Look at Ephesians six ten through 17. The Bible says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on... The full armor of God. He says it again. He says it twice. The full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, thank you for your presence, thank you for truth that is only found in you, God. I pray that you minister to all of our hearts today. God, that we would understand what your word describes as truth because it's your truth that sets us free. God, I just thank you that everybody that's here today watching online and in the house, Lord, we pray that you would bless them today God, that they would be encouraged all the way from Atlanta, Georgia to Austin, Texas and back here to Los Angeles. God, be glorified in all of our churches in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Can we welcome Atlanta this morning as they're watching online? Good morning, guys. Paul says in this portion of scripture Two times, and he's emphatic about it, that we are to put on the whole armor of God. Now, if you were here last week, you'll remember that Paul writes this letter, which is called an epistle, from prison when he was locked up next to a Roman uh, soldier, and more than likely, for those two years, after watching this guy day, day in and day out, he draws this analogy on how God has supplied um, spiritual weaponry to every believer, to every Christian that is pursuing God with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul, and serving God by serving His bride, His church, and their community and trying to reach as many as we can with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's essential that we don't pick and choose what parts of the armor we put on because they're all vital and very important to the Christian, to the believer. And Paul says that we are to put on the whole armor of God so that when we are engaged in the spiritual warfare, we are ready to respond accurately. Now, Paul the apostle uses the Greek word panoplia, which describes the full armor and the weaponry of a Roman soldier. Now, this picture that Paul draws out is interesting for the Christian because you can see this in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament that God actually talks about this kind of armor. So it wasn't like a new revelation to Paul, per se, but more than likely, it might have reminded him of what he read in Isaiah. In the prophet Isaiah's book, Isaiah 59, 17, God is described as a warrior going to repay evil with justice. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, 17, and he put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. And so here we see that Isaiah the prophet uses this kind of language when describing God As a warrior, and Paul the apostle, while locked up in prison, probably remembers that portion of scripture and adds to the rest of the garment of the warrior in order for us to get a really great picture of how you and I are supposed to get battle ready. God reminds Paul of the Christian's warfare against the devil, The phrase armor of God reminds us that God provides this armor for his people and that God in Christ is the armor that we are to put on ourselves. Romans 13, chapter 11 through 14, Paul writes to the church in Rome and he says, and do this knowing that the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light and let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry or in drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And so Paul again is describing an armor that you and I are to put on, and let me just say keep on, because you never know when the fight is going to rage. And so we never take the armor off, we always keep the armor on because we have a saying, for all of our leaders here at Restoration Life, we don't get ready, we stay ready. And that is how the believer is supposed to live their life. And so Paul admonishes the Romans, um, uh, admonishes the Roman church to put on both the armor of light and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in this passage, um, Paul reveals two things. First that wearing this armor is synonymous with having the character of God. And secondly, that this armor cannot be worn if we're still wearing the works of darkness or living a lifestyle of sin that separates us from God. And so when you look at the text and you look at Ephesians chapter six, you'll see that there are seven um, pieces of armor that are used both defensively and offensively as the armor of God. And the first one that we look at is found in verse 14 when Paul says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now it's interesting that the belt for the Roman soldier was the one that would help would hold what they would call the short sword. And the short sword was for close combat kind of fighting. And so imagine the overzealous soldier fired up and charging out into battle without his belt and consequentially without his weapon. Because this belt not only um, helped his tunic to be tucked in so that he could run, but this belt also helped the short sword for him to be able to fight. Now, the Nelson Study Bible says that from the belt, there were also strips of leather that hung down from the belt to protect the groin area in, in this area of the soldier. And so this is why Paul says it is essential that you wear the belt of truth because it's very protective over the most vulnerable areas of our lives. And so what is truth? Because truth has become subjective in our society. Your truth is your reality, and so that is the truth. But the truth is, is that only God is truth. And what God has said is truth. And here's what you need to hear. Truth is a constant. Truth never changes. Let me prove it to you. Because God does not change, neither does his truth. Hebrews tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so if God is absolute truth, then that means that It doesn't matter whether God spoke it 4,000 years ago or just today. His truth is the only truth that we have um, to align everything up, uh, up against. And so that is why when I hear something that somebody says, I have to align that. Is that biblical truth or is that your subjective truth to what you're going through in your personal life. Because truth has become subjective. You can make it become whatever you need it to become because that is your reality. In fact, a lot of people have changed their theological perspective on things in scripture because their reality changes. They allow their truth to now change. For instance, I know um, families very, um, for years um, who have changed their opinion on something political or something social because now someone in their family or even their own kin or their children have now been have now decided to live a different kind of life that is completely opposite to biblical truth and Christian families will now change their doctrine and their theology on truth because now they're emotionally attached to someone that now that truth makes them look like they're living in darkness now. And so we have to be careful that we never allow God's truth to be manipulated by our feelings or our emotions on things that we think ought to change because of our personal attachment to someone that that affects. For instance, I know of a family who stood strong against homosexuality as ungodly, but then when one of their children became or came out as homosexual, Now it is no longer ungodly, but they are in God's love, and they are not in darkness, but God accepts them just the way that they are. And so their theology changed, their doctrine changed because their emotional attachment to their child now forced them to change to make them feel better about what's happening in them. But by doing that, they keep their child in bondage to a lie. I know some of you are not going to like this. That's okay. Um, truth hurts sometimes. It hurts sometimes. But Jesus came in truth and grace, which means that not only did he come to give us truth and absolute truth, but he also came to help us when we are exposed for what we are, and that is that we're all sinners that have been saved by the grace and the mercy of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is truth, but the grace of God leaves an open door for salvation by stepping away from the lie and walking in truth. And so, let me just remind you that truth is constant. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right is always right, and wrong is always wrong, and it'll forever be wrong. Society may try to redefine morality. Culture may try to reclassify its morals, but Jesus identified himself as the way, the truth, and the life, not the custom or the culture of the day. Right? Truth is forever. It stays the same. Psalms 119.89 says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. God is the one source, and the sole author of truth. Sin is whatever God says it is. Judgment is whatever God says it is. And salvation is what God says it is. And we don't get to change that. Heaven and hell are what God say they are. And we don't get to change that. Guess what, if we have an opinion of it and it's contrary to God's truth, Guess who's wrong? We are. John 17, 17, John says, sanctify them, set them apart. uh, By your truth, your word is truth. The Bible also says, let God be true and every man a liar. Now, this, this is gonna smack a little bit, but 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 I, th- I think that we need to hear this loud and clear this morning because you and I are constantly dealing with manipulation and lies and deception and things that we have to combat with truth. And people don't wanna hear the truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You ever see that movie with Jack Nicholson? He's an army general, and, and he's on the, on the stand. And, and I think it's Tom Cruise. He goes, I want the truth. I want the truth. And, and, and the general says, you can't handle the truth. And then he starts to say things that people don't want to hear, but they need to hear. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall because I'm the one that protects you. But nobody wants to hear that truth. Why? Because it's sometimes truth, it's abrasive. Sometimes truth will rub us wrong. Kind of like when we have tryouts for worship team. And, and, And people are like, I have this gift. And I really believe that it needs to be on the platform for everybody to experience. And we're like, okay, well, let's have you try out for the worship team. And they try out for the worship team. And God bless them. And 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 their beautiful little reality, they are angelic in the way that they sing, and God bless them for that. But the reality is, the truth is, that they can't. And so we need them to be a part of the choir in the congregation. And that is not to hurt anybody's feelings. That's just truth. Are you feeling me? It's like the guy that says, man, I, I, I can play drums, and they get up and, and, and in their room by themselves. They're a great drummer. But put them with a team on a click track. They're a whole other kind of person. And it's just truth. And sometimes truth hurts. And you don't want it to. But it's a reality. And, and, and if we're just being honest, sometimes, you know, like when like you, you want your kid to play a sport. And, and you think the world of them. And, and praise God for that. You should think the world of them. But maybe sport, they're not cut out for sports. Come on. M- maybe, maybe they should be an actor or, or in, in some kind of other art. You know what I mean? Like, you can tell. Like, that. that <laughs> uh, now, now I'm just getting way too deep into this, this side of it. It's kind of like, no, nah, never mind. I don't want to do that. Truth is essential for the believer to walk in. Now, a belt usually was made of leather, would be tied around the waist, and the loose tunic would be pulled through the legs and tucked tightly into the belt to prevent tripping and keeping the tunic from getting in the way during battle. Um, To gird up the loins was a call to prepare for battle. Ephesians 4, 14 says this, as a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed, tossed, here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful skimming and scheming. And that's why knowing the truth sets you free from any lie that the enemy wants you um, to fall into. Now, this is not a picture of standing firm, but of the instability that comes from not knowing God's truth by preferring to live a lie because a lot of people prefer to live a lie instead of confronting that situation with truth. When somebody's living with someone that's never going to change, that isn't ever going to marry them, that's always hurting them, and they keep telling them that they'll change, it's a lie that they've believed, but if they just walk in truth, they could be set free from that hurt and move on to what God actually has for them. Verse 13 tells us how this instability is eliminated in Ephesians 4, 13 says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the statue, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. The whole measure of the fullness of Christ is understanding from the word of God who we are in Christ and living from that biblical truth. Romans 3, 4 says, By no means let God be true, though everyone were a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you're judged. And so it is important for every believer to put on truth Because when you walk out there, you're going to be hit with lie after lie after lie after lie, trying to deceive you from the truth to get you caught back up into what you may have lived in before, which is a lie from the pit of hell, bringing you back to a place of hurtful living. John 8.32, John says, When you know the truth, Or Jesus said in the book of John chapter 8 verse 32, you know the truth and the truth will set you free. Psalms 26 3 says, for I am always aware of your unfailing love and I have lived according to your truth. Romans 1 21 says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. And so they gave up the truth for a lie. And then in Ephesians 4.25, Paul writes, So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we all, all we are all a part of the same body. And so when we are battle ready and we put on the belt of truth and we are to gird up our loins with the belt of truth, we can prevent every demonic lie from hindering us as we serve Jesus and as we fight this good fight of faith. When we live in the truth, We are free from stumbling. But when we lie, or we lie to ourselves, or we lie to others, or we go on living a lie, living in hypocrisy, living in dishonesty, we are fighting in a fast-moving battle against a fierce enemy while wearing a long robe that's tangling up our feet because we won't gird up our loins with truth. And sooner than later, we'll all fall to the deception of what Satan does to get us to take our eyes off of God and put our eyes on the lie. The apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. So what's the problem? For some strange reason, people today would rather live in and be comforted with a lie than to face or confront a hurtful truth. And so people go on living in a lie. And it's sad because you love people and you care for people, but in order to help them be set free from the lie, you have to confront them with truth. And the issue then becomes when you confront them with truth, you're risking a relationship. You're risking a relationship. I remember when my sister asked me a question that I know what answer she wanted to hear and I couldn't give her the answer that she wanted to hear. I needed to give her the answer that she needed to hear. I couldn't pacify what my sister was going through with sharing in her lie or in her false reality, I had to bring biblical truth to her false reality and share with her how much I love her, but she needs to know the truth because it's only God's truth that can set her free from that immoral lie that's causing her to live in the hurt and in the darkness that she continues to live in, and I'm trying to rescue her from that. Just like many of you are trying to rescue people from living a lie that they live. It's kind of like the people that are super spiritual. We talked a little bit about this last week, where they mess around with crystals, and they're messing around with sage, and they're Messing around with statues and they, they, they think that it's holy and they, you know, you, know, let, you know, respect everybody's religion. And I'm like, you want me to respect somebody's lie? Hear me clearly, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the individual, but I'm not going to respect Satan's lie over somebody's life. So if they're living a lie, how many, how many times have you heard people say just... You have to learn how to respect everybody's religion. How many guys have ever heard that before? Just respect everybody's religion. Okay, if I respect their religion, I'm respecting the lie that they're living in. That's what you're asking me to do. And what I would say to you is I love them too much to tell them or to help them feel good about living in a lie if my responsibility is to show them truth with grace and love attached to it. There's a way to share truth without being a jerk, right? Like some of these guys that are out there preaching and telling everybody that they're going to hell, right? Now, I I think that there's a need-ish for some of that, but I think that there's a better way of doing that that would win people to Christ and not push away people from Christ, And not all people are like that, that are out on the street corners doing that. I was one of those guys a long time ago. And if I had the opportunity, I'd still go out there and, and do it. But I would just do it a little bit differently. Because I just think that there's a way to present truth in a way that's attractive and not present truth in a way that's slapping people or beating people up with the Bible. I think there's a way of presenting truth that's so attractive because you're doing it with love and grace. Amen? And I think that if we could be those kind of Christians, I think we'd probably win a lot more people from a lie back into truth. Romans 118 says, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he had made it obvious to them. So what are the dangers of not wearing the belt of truth? Well, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6, it says, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a what? (laughs) I didn't say that. John said that. And the truth is what? It's not in him. But Whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says that he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. And so we live in a world that teaches that truth is what we make of it. We live in a world that makes truth relative um, to what people emotionally feel, but the Bible teaches that truth only comes from God's word, that good and bad are defined by him, and that there are eternal and unchangeable absolutes, uninfluenced by opinions. Paul wrote to the Romans telling them, do not be conformed to this world, Part of that means not buying into a system of belief that says absolute truth is a myth. And so as Christians, we know both that are, I'm sorry, as Christians, we know both that there is truth and that truth is absolute. And this is the way that Jesus prays for us as I close. In John 17, 14, "I I have given your word to my followers. And the world hated them because they do not belong to the world. Even as I do not belong to the world, I do not ask you to take them out of the world. I ask you to keep them from the devil. My followers do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Make them holy for yourself by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Also, I set myself apart to be holy for them, that they may be made holy by the truth. Jesus was very adamant when he said to us that we are to be holy because God is holy. And the only way for you and I to walk in holiness even though we still have to deal with our sinful nature is to always walk in truth and if we're always walking in truth then we can always walk in holiness because we're walking in truth not in the, the lies that we conform to in this world not in what other people feel or believe we should be saying or doing but we are the church, the bride of Jesus Christ that puts on Christ and puts on the belt of truth. So when we go out into the world and we have to fight every lie that is out there, we can fight accurately and powerfully because we're not fighting from a place of our positional truth. We are fighting from a place of absolute truth, which is God. He is absolute truth. And so this is why it is so essential for the church to always start putting on the armor with a belt of truth. Now, in order to do that, you have to know what the truth is and you got to know what the lie isn't. you got to know what counterfeit is and, 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 and what's authentically, genuinely real. Because Satan is always trying to deceive us with a lie. And if he can deceive you, With the life. He can get you to believe his lies. He can get you to lay down your truth and thereby becoming unholy because you're not walking in the truth of his holiness. And so it is essential for us to stay battle ready by girding up our loins with the belt of truth as our armor. Amen? Let's be the kind of people that walk in truth, even though sometimes truth hurts. Let's be the kind of people that share truth. but Let's make sure that we share truth with love and grace. Let's make sure that we're the kind of people that allow ourselves to be sanctified by God's truth and not by our own version of truth because we wanna water it down a little bit for it to pacify how people feel about it. Let's walk in truth because it's only the truth that sets people free. And Jesus is that truth. Can somebody say amen? So let's pray. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you, God. Lord, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. God, help us to walk in truth. Your word is truth. Your son is the very manifestation of truth. Lord, we know that your word says let God be true and every man a liar. We know that we are to challenge everything that we hear or see with biblical truth. And God, as long as we honor that truth in our lives, Lord God, we can walk in the holiness of that truth. God, we give you glory, honor, and praise this morning. In Jesus' name. Come on, the church said. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Would you stand to your feet if we sing a song of worship?